Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Bring out the talent. Welcome to Bring Out the Talent, a podcast featuring learning and development experts discussing innovative approaches and industry insights. Tune in to hear our talent help develop yours. Now here are your hosts, TTA's CEO and President Maria Melfa and Talent Manager Jocelyn Allen. Hi, Maria. How's it going today? Really? Yeah, me too. I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Oh, are you guys hearing Maria? Okay. Just kidding. She's not here. She bailed on me. No, I'm kidding. Maria is taking a little time away, uh, taking a special trip to New York with her family. So you guys are the luckiest of all today because you just get me. So I hope you're ready for it. Strap in, folks. All right. But needless to say, Thank you for the opportunity to do this on my own. I'm here with a very special guest that I'm super excited about talking about best practices in onboarding excellence. We're joined by Tiffany Lyman, CEO of Wheelhouse. As a connoisseur of workplace culture and an architect of team development, Tiffany brings her expertise to the table, offering a unique perspective on onboarding as a crucial fit test for both parties. Additionally, we'll discuss the often overlooked pitfalls that can undermine your onboarding efforts and strategize on how to maintain the momentum of a positive start throughout an employee's career. So get ready for a wealth of actionable tips and strategic insights as per usual on this podcast, (laughs) people, that will transform your approach to welcoming new talent. This is your chance to take your onboarding process to new heights. So welcome, Tiffany. Thank you very much. Yes, I to say I am excited is an understatement, my friend. (laughs) I've been looking forward to the opportunity to getting you on here, and I couldn't be more thrilled that we're talking about such a hefty topic. Yes. Thank you so very much, and I'm excited to be here. Great. So talk about, let's talk, like get right started on what is effective onboarding. Like what, why is this topic so important, and what does effective onboarding look like to you as an expert? I would say effective onboarding, first of all, it is that time where you are able to get your new hires to understand the culture of the company that they are about to start working with. It, it's not just like orientation of here's the bathroom, here's your desk, here's a pen, get to work. It's really being able to help them to understand um, what, what are the values, what are um, the expectations? How do we measure those expectations? Um, what are some of the things that are important to us here? So aside from values, there might be other strategic initiatives that are important in that particular year. So being able to help somebody to get those, to understand those things and to get questions answered and to see how they really fit into the organization is really what a good onboarding program should do. Would a good onboarding program cater to the right fits for an organization just as much as it would kind of like filter out the wrong fits then based on what you're saying, culture fit wise and things? Absolutely. Absolutely. So sometimes what will happen in a good onboarding program is that somebody might hear certain things or in as, as a part of that process get to meet people that are currently in the organization and really get to ask them real questions and get the answers to those. And sometimes what they hear may not be what they expected, or they might realize that, you know, this actually isn't a good fit for me. Maybe they realize, okay, this is more work than I thought it would be, or the type of people that are here 
are not really what I anticipated. Good, bad, or indifferent. It's just really that opportunity for them to get to know that and to do that before they start to interact with clients or customers or vendors. It's kind of like that that filter period where that can happen and it doesn't it doesn't negatively impact any other processes. I like that analogy of it being the filter because not, not to, and not to put negative terms on it at all, but it really is one of those things where it, the importance of how effective it is, is everything for the organization because you are selling your brand in that moment and making sure that this person who you wanted on your team is the right fit. So like you've got to bring it home and then that person needs to decide like, yes, this is, this is exactly what I was looking for or, or the opposite. I heard you say something else too, where this onboarding is important, that culture fit, that integration, not just here's your pen and here's your desk. Isn't it yes. cute? So like, what is the <laughs> difference between really onboarding and orientation? Are they separate? Are they sublets of each other? Can we talk about that a little bit more? So I like to see some aspects of orientation integrated into the onboarding process. So I would say that orientation is going to be pretty much helping you to understand like what's in the handbook, right? So in your handbook, you've got things like your dress code, you've got policies, you've got vacation days, you have benefits. And so those types of things, going through those, yes, we do need to talk about that stuff. And we do need to explain those. You have questions about those. So yes, that is a very important part. And and that is part of onboarding. But then outside of that now, it's also, what about my actual role? So the work that I am going to be doing, again, how that work is going to be measured. Who am I doing that work with? And what are some of those things that I can expect? Even things like when are our busiest times of year? So when are when are our peak seasons versus our off-peak seasons? What do we do to generate revenue versus the things that we do that support our revenue generating activities? Those are the parts that I consider to be pieces of the onboarding process. So knowing what my role is going to be and how my role fits into the overall organization is part of what onboarding, what I feel like actual onboarding is separate from orientation. Mm -hmm. No, that makes a lot of sense. And it's really good clarity there. I heard you say, again, a couple things that I think are some of the answers to my next question, which has to do with the effective elements, like what are the, like the key elements in an effective program? Like mm-hmm. measurability is one of the things that I heard you say, what are, what are some other areas that we don't think about because we're thinking of onboarding as orientation? So one thing that I love to see in an onboarding um, process is assessments. So you already know, I love assessments, yeah. but <laughs> in a good too. onboarding <laughs> process, it's great because it helps you to start out with not just like this this thing of like what do they call it the water and the and coming out of the fire hose like where it's just like you're getting inundated with all of this information but it's a it's a we meet each other type of thing so with a, a assessment this gives you the opportunity to increase your self-awareness and have conversations about that and then talk about how who you are from that perspective fits into the organization so it is also a piece of learning a little bit more about yourself now as an employee of X company. So that piece of it. So assessments, I think are a great part. Understanding 
how performance is measured. So when I say metrics, it's one performance measurement. How often is that done? How often can I expect to have a conversation about my performance? Is that once a year, a couple of times a year? What does that look like? What are the core competencies that I'm going to be measured against? That is something else that can come up there. If there is something that might be a problem, what is the, what's an escalation process? Every company is different. Some companies are very flat and the culture is kind of, you can talk to anybody. And then you have um, cultures that are very layered. So being able to understand those things are also um, pieces that I think are important. And then like acronyms. What are y'all saying in this company? So many times you start in a company and it's like, you sit there on the first day. Of course, when companies don't have onboarding, how I normally see it is you come in, they're like, okay, the, the typical, there's the bathroom, here's your desk. We have no password for you. IT will be coming soon. I gotta go to a meeting. Here's the handbook. I'll be back in three hours, right? And they just kind of leave you there. Not a great experience for you to have. And then when you go to your first meeting, there's all these acronyms. You have no idea what they mean. So onboarding also helps you to understand those things. So when you leave the onboarding process, the slope is less steep for you to climb to actually get to productive. Yeah, very good points. I mean, I think we've all experienced or seen it in some level where you walk into day one and 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 like it, it kind of changes too because I think a lot of people more recently went through career changes, mm-hmm. right? So they take these skills that are applicable to something that they were doing, but then like COVID changed everybody's view on life and like what they really wanted to do and the opportunities ahead of them and and people made pivots. So like walking into something brand new and being like, how am I going to do this? And then realizing because like of effective onboarding programs, like six months down the line, you're like, remember on day one when I didn't think I could do this, right? That's the difference between the two things. But have you ever seen, and this is like a one-off question where having a a company has had a really strong onboarding program. It looks really good. People feel excited, but then like they don't have the ability to follow through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. that I don't, I don't even honestly don't even know which is worse having no onboarding program or having one that is so grand mm-hmm. that it creates delusion. And then when you actually go into like what the actual work is, now you really feel disconnected. So while you want want your program to be rich in value, you don't want it to be over the top. And thinking about over the top, it's kind of like you have your onboarding and you have it at your, your flagship corporate center, right? And then you're then when it's time for somebody to go to work, they go to work and it's someplace that's totally different than where they had the onboarding. There was no part of the onboarding program that had them go to the actual site where they're going to work. And it kind of feels like a letdown. So you don't want it to feel like that. So you really want your onboarding program to mimic as much as possible the actual environment that people are going to be working within. Right. I love that. I, I glad, I'm glad that we're talking about, about both sides because it's great to be like, this is what makes a great program. But then it's right. also like, here's what happens when you don't, because <laughs> you want like, it's our, our, everything that we do and what, how an organization can be successful is based on their employees. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I loved so much about 
me joining in like in my role was my onboarding program because so much of it was learning what was important and then learning how I was going to achieve the knowledge that I was needed to address those important things. And there was a lot of mentoring and shadowing and live kind of demo work that we did. And it, it impressed me from the beginning. So like how let's talk about like how that affects employee retention. Like, is there a direct correlation between really strong onboarding and how long employees stay with the organization? So I don't know what the exact statistic is, right? (laughs) I know in companies that I've worked within where they have done, we kind of were able to look at a before and after or look at people that had gone through the on the program that was set up versus people who kind of just had like a, a checklist that may or may not have been done by their manager. We definitely did see that for those that made it through the program, which was pretty much like 99% of people made it through. It was only a small handful of people that just were not a good culture fit. And most of them isolated themselves out, but they did actually end up staying with the company longer. And when, when an issue would arise, as opposed to kind of being like, all right, well, issue. I'm just going to post my resume and go someplace else. What I saw was that they knew where they could go to get resolution. So it wasn't just that I only know the people that are in my department, my direct department. I don't know anybody else. A good onboarding program has elements of it where you are able to meet key people in other areas. And so then it's like when you start, you kind of don't feel like you're just on your own. Okay. I can contact this person over here, or I met this person in my onboarding. Let me call them and see if they're having the same experience. So I think that's also one of the things that helps with retention, not just like what's taught in the program, but the fact that the program creates bonds early on. Right. And it teaches a a aspect of resourcefulness to employees. I, I feel that I, anytime somebody has the wherewithal to be a bit more resourceful and it can come from what they're receiving in the Mm -hmm. onboarding program, the the confidence that comes from being able to do that and see success from kind of cranking your own cogs and wheels around it uh, is brilliant and very much long-term. So yeah, I love, I love to hear the correlation. What are the reasons are there for why an onboarding experience is so critical to like company perspective, how an employee feels or looks at a company. Why why is the day one and however long it takes one of the most crucial in, in the employee status? So I, I think I've the longest program I've seen was seven days. And then you can have ones that are one day long, and then you have others that kind of vary where there's they they trickle like there's pieces that go for like 30 days but regardless of how long it is a really good onboarding experience says that before a company is asking me for something they're giving something so it's an investment for a company to basically say we had this open position and we needed someone to come in, let's say, and train, right? We needed a trainer. And that's why we're hiring for this position. But before we just say, great, we finally got this person in here. Let me throw you in so you can start to absorb the, the things we need you to do. We are going to still have you on. You're on the clock. 
But while you're on the clock, you're kind of away from the actual work that you're doing. And what we're doing is we're investing in you. We're making sure that you are well prepared. I think that showing that investment and of course, following it up, like like we said before, but showing that investment from day one creates a really good impression um, on what this company is kind of really, really about. Like they took the time to create this program and to have this program, usually you're not by yourself. So you're like, all these people in this room are here because there was a gap. And before they just said, throw you to the wolves, like fill the gap, they said, we're going to have you come here first and make sure that you're comfortable. Make sure that you get your questions answered first. Make sure that you understand what the expectations are and that you can have a dialogue around that. I think that that really speaks to the type of company that you're working for because not all companies have amazing onboarding processes. It's hard to do when you when you think about it like that where you're like mm-hmm. you are investing up front in so many aspects of right. your organization between the individual that you're hiring and then literally building the bridge over the gap because you're bringing everybody who needs to address that gap and the success of that person from the mm-hmm. beginning to build those resources and camaraderie right. and and all that. So like so which lends to kind of the difficult aspect of it, right? So like if you're, if you are investing in an individual and, or want an individual to feel invested in mm-hmm. as their reality for, from an organizational standpoint, how do you then cater your onboarding program to address like different roles or different departments while you're still ensuring that buy-in, investment, culture fit, all of those things? So I I think that is the beauty of the multi-day onboarding process. The shorter it is, the more it kind of becomes focused on orientation because, I mean, those are questions that quite honestly, people want answered, right? Like, I only have 30 days to sign up for my benefits. Where do I do that? How do I get access? So all of those things. So the longer your process is, the more you're able to get through the orientation pieces and actually get to the role. And so things that you can do. So for example, you can say our performance management process, regardless of your role, is pretty much the same. We all have the same core competencies and we are all being we're all being evaluated twice a year. Let's say it's twice a year, right? So in a maybe classroom setting or however the onboarding experience is, whether it's online or in person, right? So you have the part where you're talking about like performance management. Then maybe what you do is you have a part of your orientation process where the new hires go to the areas where they work. And so here, what you do is you are going to work with the new, the hiring managers to say, here are the sort of expectations. So while you're there or what we did, sometimes we'll do like a scavenger hunt. Like, listen, you're going to go to your office and here are all the things I want you to make sure that you know where they are or how to do them while you're there. Then come back to the onboarding process and we can talk, talk through some other things. So it's a mix. It's part of, yes, your specific role, the people you're going to be working with, the location you're going to be in, but then there's also the company pieces. And so you want to have a a good balance of both of those things, which means that you have to train and help support the hiring managers to be able to 
facilitate the parts that you want them to facilitate, like introduce them to these people, make sure that they're actually able to access their system so that on their true day one, they are actually now ready to start doing some work versus the hiring manager having to find little pockets of time to do those things, which make you feel like somebody is having to like they're stealing time from important things to help me. That's not a good feeling. So now it's dedicated time. And so how do you, what's the best kind of course of action for that? Is it, is it real? is it as simple as planning ahead to ensure that that hiring manager is okay. I have this new person starting. So here's what my calendar is going to look like in ensuring that, or I, I mean, I guess that that's the end of the question really is what it really is. Like, is it, is it, is it, it's about like planning accordingly. It is. And then, I mean, because onboarding processes usually have whatever the new hires are at that time, it's mm-hmm. not like, it's like, okay, Monday we have this group to, unless you're hiring tons of people, it's mm-hmm. usually like, okay, maybe we start the process every other Monday. So hiring dates are known. It's going to be, let's say the first first and the 15th of this month. Those are the days that we're starting our onboarding process. So if day three of onboarding is the day that new hires report to their areas, then you know on the third or on the 18th is that day. So it, it takes a lot of the unknown out. And if you're prepared for it, like the new hire has a checklist and you have a checklist, it helps you because sometimes managers have no clue what to do to onboard someone. And I mean, if we're keeping it honest, that manager is covering this gap with the, those employees. So do they really have the time and the resources to do it in a productive way? A lot of them don't. So the more the process provides direction and guidance the better the program is going to be. And it also helps to ensure a kind of equal um, starting point for everyone. Yeah, that's a really good point about that. At that point, the manager is probably like filling in the gap. So it's like we have to kind of pause on right. that for a second. And are we thinking about that bigger picture? Yeah, it's you have to you have to in, empower, give people the tools to empower that start. Mm-hmm. So I know you talked a little bit in the beginning, because I liked the word you used, which was like a <laughs> filter, right in the beginning. So do you have any insight on kind of when something what typically what it typically looks like when you are filtering people, like when it works really well, what the result is, when it doesn't work so well, what the result is? Really, it's it's about being honest and transparent is the best way that I can kind of say it, right? So your filtering process is not going to work well if you are selling or if you're trying to sell yourself, right? Like you're trying to say, we do all these things and here's what we are. And then that's not true. So the more honest in, and real the process is, then that somebody is actually making a decision or you're even watching a person, right? And being able to decide whether or not this is going to be kind of what you need. So it could be things like, okay, so one of the companies that I work for that we had onboarding, created an onboarding process for, there we had to talk about busy seasons and what that might look like 
right? And it was kind of the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? So here are the ways that we help to cushion around peak season, but during peak season, like here are the expectations and here's what that really looks like. Being honest in that point and allowing people to ask questions, help somebody to decide right then and there, is this going to be for me? Which you would rather them do versus wait until you're in the middle of peak season to say, wait, nope, didn't expect this, didn't know this was going to be the case. So the filter is really just honesty and transparency on the side of the company. Now on the side of people, it's being able to be intentional on how you set your program up. So it could be that on day one, you kind of just help people just come in, maybe you business casual, whatever. If there is a dress code in day one, you can talk about what it is. And day two, it's sort of, okay, we want to people to come in in their in, in dress code, right? And in between each day, it's kind of, okay, tomorrow, here's what we need you to do. And you're kind of watching, not really just watching like to see, oh, what did they come in with in the next day, but watching to see how well they are kind of following along with what you have put up as the expectations, right? How well they're, like if if in orientation, for example, if orientation is in the same like city where they work and they're going to be in the building, let's say from nine to five and orientation from nine to three, but each of the days they weren't able to make it from nine to three, like they had to leave at one o'clock on this day and can they come in at 11 o'clock on this day? That kind of maybe tells you that, You might want to have a conversation with them before starting because it's already letting you see that the work hours are an issue. So sometimes it's things as small as that. And sometimes it's just watching how people interact with other people within the group that may tell you this isn't a culture fit for us. So it sounds like, as per usual, feedback is a really, really important piece of this onboarding puzzle, right? So what what are we putting into place? What are the mechanisms or techniques or whatever it is that are part of an onboarding process or program that enables people on either sides, new hires or managers to communicate openly about you know what's going on? So it could just be conversation and dialogue. So with that conversation and dialogue, it is like, not like an interview process, tell me a time when, not not as, not as structured as that, but it could be that you are maybe talking about conflict resolution and you put out there like, here's a scenario. All right, let's let's work through it. What would you what would you do? This gives you an opportunity like first to see what they would do naturally and then to come back on to say, okay, here's what our expectation is. But before you give the expectation and now they're giving you the scripted answer, you're able to kind of see how people are reacting and then give them the feedback on here's how things work. Any questions, being able to answer things. If you see something that someone has done, maybe you have like, there's a sample of, I don't know, something that you're doing. Maybe you're like, this is probably nothing you would ever do, but I'm going to make it up. Sample email. So maybe whatever the the role is in your company, everybody's got to write something. And so you have them all do something. Maybe there's, you know, okay, based on this, we might need to spend a little bit more feedback here. Or this is my opportunity to say to you, oh, we have the ABC training university over here. 
And here are some modules that might be able to help in this area. So it's not so much that it's like, oh, we're filtering you out, but it's how can you get support with these things, where with these other areas that you might need support in. So kind of having people do a little bit of what is needed for the job so you can see it. And in that day, when they are in their, like in their role, so on their location, wherever that is, um, also having a feedback mechanism with the hiring manager just to kind of say, okay, here were the expectations of what was supposed to happen on site, just getting some feedback there. So it's kind of keeping a good loop so that, again, you you can answer questions and things before a person is sort of like live on their first day. And then, of course, mm-hmm. like usually about 30 days after a good check-in helps to close the loop. Mm. Uh, so that is something that I don't see completed as much as it could be. But that 30-day sort of check-in is also that place where you see it's not just that we want to have this fancy onboarding process so everything looks good when you come in, but 30 days later, we still care. Right. Uh, so I think right. that piece is helpful and also, again, helps to open that dialogue channel. Yes, I 100% agree with you. And don't don't assume that because things are go, like going swimmingly, like, oh, this person's working out amazing. They get right. it 30 days later. Like they, they still need a 30 day check in. Here's what, how we're seeing things. How do you feel about it? Like that's just as important as the person who may be that 30 day check in looks a little bit more supportive right. than than somebody who's like a little bit more with it, for lack of a better word. And there's a secret. So not a secret, but there's like a a hidden benefit. I like to call it a hidden benefit of onboarding. And the hidden benefit of onboarding is that an effective onboarding process has like some accountability built into it for the people that are not the new hires. Mm. So now you've got this person that's just gone through, let's say this, this week long process of what you should expect, how things are supposed to look. And here are our values, here are our policies, and here's what you should expect here. And there now, that person with those expectations is now coming onto your team, right? It's kind of like, oh, we need to, we kind of need to make sure that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing because they know what we're supposed to be doing. And so I feel like it creates this extra accountability because when you do that 30-day check-in, it's kind of like, well, I know you said this, 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 and this, but I'm confused because here's been my experience. Mm -hmm. And then that creates that conversation. So I always felt like it created some additional accountability to uphold the values and the excitement and all the things from day one all throughout, because you constantly have like, kind of like someone that's waiting for you to meet those expectations. Right. How important is it? Cause you said the word that I was going to lead to, which is like instilling the values. Mm-hmm. So how important is it for your values to reflect the onboarding expectations? So like one of them being, you know, open communication and instilling a, a level of psychological safety where feedback is received and given respectfully. Mm-hmm. And whatever else it may be, like TTA has those, we have having a growth mindset, we have positivity, Mm -hmm. we have trust, 
all of those things because we want to make sure that that for any case scenario where you want to bring your ideas to the table, where you want to have meaningful conflict in order to get to a better place for all kind of things. Those are part of our values that are very much like always brought up and Marie is like fun about it sometimes too, because we have this huge poster that goes through all, all of our values. So if like something's coming up where like those conversations are happening, like she will not hesitate to do like boxing ring girl and like hold this thing across. So everybody knows we have trust, we have growth mindset, right? And and instilling that. So how, how important are, is making those things about your values and that they stand out overall so that it is a continued success? It has to be, it, there has to be a direct connection. So of course you can't, you don't just create an onboarding process like in a day like, oh, let's just bring them here instead of taking right. them straight there. Part part of an onboarding process a lot of times is revisiting the values and now being able to say, here are values, but what does that mean in experience, right? I I have been, I'm sure you've been in, in, in places where the way that I like to say it is the vow, the only place that the values exist is on the walls because inside the halls of the building, there's, you don't, you don't experience them. Mm-hmm. So that's a great time to reevaluate the values and say, where do I see this and how are things connected? So I remember in creating and helping to create one of the programs, there was a change to the performance management grids, the core competencies that we use for for performance management, because it, it we realized it wasn't quite aligned with the values. And so it's like, well, if we're going to say this is a value and this is a value, why wouldn't we update our core competencies to better align with those? And And so part of that process sometimes is taking a look at the values and all of the places where those values are actually activated. And then from there, being able to to build that into that onboarding process. I play devil's advocate all the time on this uh-huh. show here, Tiffany. <laughs> so where what about the kind of mistakes, maybe more common ones, where companies are making them during their onboarding process inadvertently and they're actually pushing potential employees away. I mean, not even potential, maybe long-term employees too, based mm-hmm. on the experience. Like what are some of the most common mistakes that you're seeing that you're like, why this is going to push, this is going to push people away. So definitely misalignment, right? So if mm. you are, of course, so let's say we have day one, day two, and I'm saying all these things that we should do. And then I send you on day three, First of all, I send you on day three and the manager doesn't know what they're supposed to be doing with you when you go to your area. And the stuff that I'm telling you, it are things that are great in theory, but they don't happen in practice. Meaning that the people that are conducting the onboarding are not connected with the actual work that needs to be done to the point where what you're saying is actually relevant. When they go on day three, what will, what can happen is they're going to tell you everything that they want you to know over there. When you come here next week, we'll tell you the real deal. Mm. That This is just, okay, this is the, the bells and whistles, but this isn't how things really work here. And so when you hear that, it, cre- it automatically creates this sense of distrust because it's like, well, what else aren't you telling me? So you really want it to be something that is 
is not just that it's honest and true, but that it's not just theory. It's not just here are our practices as they're written in this book, but here are the things that you're going to experience in your day-to-day because we take the time, not just when we built the program, but throughout to connect with different areas to make sure that we are setting people up for success. So part of that feedback, like you were saying, is also talking to the hiring manager. How equipped was that person that we sent there to be able to start working? Give us feedback. Because if if it's not, if if it's a if it's a misalignment, we need to make a change. So I think that is um, a mistake, is disconnection from the actual work, not getting feedback from the hiring manager, too many bells and whistles so that it doesn't it doesn't reflect the true process. Now, yes, of course. You can give a shirt and pens and all those types of things. Like, yes, we want somebody to feel welcome, but don't go like so over the top that it does two things. One, it creates negative expectations for the new person. And two, it leaves a bad taste in the mouths and hearts and minds of current employees. So some onboarding processes are so over the top that... When you say things like, oh, you know, we're going to be, we're going to have flat, we're going to be flat on merits this time. And people are looking, okay, but, but you are spending all of this. You're having these steak dinners and all this stuff for new hires. But then once we're here, you're not doing anything. That's also a bad message. So it's making it be right in the point where you feel a little extra special because you're new, but you're not going so over the top that it feels, again, disconnected. I guess that's the main thing. It's like, it has to have a connection to the day-to-day. Yeah, I like that point again, because you you have to get people excited in the beginning. You want like really high energy, supercharged people to come right. day one, ready to go. But you want to maintain that the whole time. You want the, the next person who's participating mm-hmm. in that onboarding process, either, either as a hiring manager or a resource to welcome that person into mm-hmm. the organization to be just as excited exactly. about what they're doing. I love that. How does the onboarding process evolve beyond just the first few weeks or months? You talked about the 30-day check-in is kind of mm-hmm. like closing the loop, but what what goes on after that and how can companies ensure kind of like what we just mentioned that everything continues in a flawless kind of integration and cohesiveness long-term? So definitely it it just, it should flow straight into like, talent development, right? And investment. But uh, other things that can happen is you can have a sort of uh, like a new hire mentor team. So by that, what I mean is like people who've been in the company for a while that are solely working with the new hires. And so for new hires, we can say here, they've been in the company for less than a year. And so it's it's not a mentorship in the sense of like, here's your next career path. Not like that type of thing, but more of a navigating the organization type of mentor. So someone that they can talk to and connect with that will help them as they continue to get acclimated into the company, into their role. So a mentorship, a new hire mentorship program, there is something that's great. Of course, the 30-day check-in, and then maybe another one around, could be at three months, could be at six months, really depends on the organization, 
but making sure that there is still another one that happens. Also, when you have onboarding and it takes place in classes or cohorts or whatever you want to call it, having those people kind of be able to move together through things. So let's say there's compliance training that has to happen, then you can have it so that things are scheduled where that group of people moves through things together. Because what that then also does is it creates those, again, bonds, that support network that doesn't have to lean super heavy on the organization, but the organization is supporting it by kind of helping to keep those people together. And a lot of times they work in all different departments. And so it's another great way of networking because now you already know somebody who works in marketing while you work in accounting. And so it really does help you to have those connections and to build and um, to build those connections as they go. And then of course, offering people once they get past new hire, like time to reflect back on the program so that you can continuously reiterate the program. You can um, continuously improve it. And then maybe they can become mentors to other people that are coming in because they now know exactly like what people are going to be going through and what challenges they may have and when. And so it's really just staying in contact with kind of people within the groups that they came in and trying to keep them together. And then once you kind of get to that year mark when they're no longer typically like a new hire, it should roll right into your talent development process. And that should basically take over from there so that it's not a cliff where it's like, okay, you've been here for a year. Whatever you do from here is on you. Like it should continue from that point that your actual talent development should start there. Yeah, I think I what you said about the inter like sometimes with groups of new hires and carrying them through, they can be from different departments for whatever mm-hmm. reason. And I think interdepartmental camaraderie and resourcefulness is like severely underrated because mm-hmm. every you don't realize it until you realize it how much each department touches each other through the process of whatever the organizational right. goals are. And mm-hmm. if you have that connection, then you are able to add to your value, your knowledge. And as a newer employee, who's maybe uh, moving towards what you said of maybe I can be a mentor, maybe I can do some things and make some Mm -hmm. changes. Once you've been in an organization for a while, like you're no longer on the outside looking in and those fresh faces and that engagement to create that space to be able to be a face that creates change for the good um, Mm -hmm. is something that can be established just by having the right processes in place. I, I love that outlook on it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And and I mean, so for, for people like me who are um, kind of introverted, I love, no. I am. No, I bring it out of you. No. <laughs> I so am. I love, I love an onboarding process because it helps you to not feel like you're on the outside, like from day mm-hmm. one, like I'm in this right. group of people who are just like me. They're all on their first day. None, none of us in here know anybody else in here. And mm-hmm. so that feels good. It, it can feel daunting to walk into an office where people already have their their cliques and their, their work buddies. And, and then you're just kind of like there on the outside. Yep. So coming in a program like that kind of helps to ease you in. And, and if you are like that person that takes a little while to warm up, it does, it does give you that space. So I I love it for that reason too. 
Yes. I'm an extroverted introvert. I have a lot of personality, but I prefer (laughs) to be by myself whenever I can. And so like, that was what it was for me. Like when I I was like, I, okay, I have my mentor and then I have my, my newbie people too. Like, so I have the person who I can go to and I can trust who's going to teach me everything I need to know. And then I have my person who's having that same expert experience on the other side. And we're going through the same line to get like timeline together. I, I had two separate groups of people when I started at TTA <laughs> that like made me feel like, okay, this is my place. I finally found it. Exactly. So, yeah. Speaking from experience, that is one of the most important things I could say makes a huge difference. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, and that's important to be in a place where, like you said, psychological safety. So I have team members, I have places, places where I can express Someone that maybe I can vent to, like that person who came in with me, that might be that person that I'm like, oh my goodness, this happened. But you you want to have that. And being being in a in a space where the process helps you build that, again, is one of those those things that help to create that stickiness within within an organization. So Last, as we're approaching time, this is kind of like this, I mean, this could steer us down the path, but maybe like really quickly, because the the overarching concept is kind of adapting to change and implementing strategies that will carry you through your environment as as it kind of changes to the landscape. Like one of those things being the pandemic and remote work, hybrid work. How do we, what are some strategies that companies can look to implementing or maintaining that will carry them through the like ever-changing onboarding process? Moving to hybrid work or some companies it's virtual work. That part definitely has created challenges, right? Because while you can be all in the same virtual room, it's still not the same as being in a in-person room where at lunch, <clears throat> I can go and sit next to you and have a conversation with you. It still feels very on, right? Mm-hmm. You still very much feel like everybody's on, but you got all this the boxes up here and we're all just staring at each other, right? <clears throat> so you do have to be a lot more intentional when you are doing a a hybrid onboarding. When people are virtual, it may make sense. And some things I've seen people do to a- accommodate for this is they have longer onboarding periods so that it's not like straight days. It's one thing to have straight days where you're all together and you can do like I mean, we made ours fun. You can do dance breaks and stuff like that, like in the room and then have somebody be sitting at a screen all day. So definitely going in and being able to break things up, pairing people up. So having Mm -hmm. things like, we're going to create some random pairs and during lunch, grab your lunch, come back. And then you're going to be in a breakout room with just three other people. Talk about whatever you want, right? Or, or... We'll give you a sentence starter, but something where you can get to know each other. You really have to create those things that come naturally in a a typical onboarding. You have to create those in a virtual environment so that people feel connected. Now, the part where you are sharing the values and you're saying, here's what the expectations are. Here are our core competencies. You can do that, of course online. We can do that anywhere. But it's really also that piece of feeling like you are a part of the organization 
that's the piece where you really want to make sure that you're spending some time to figure out how do we really do this? Do we, do we, should we bring in other people from throughout the organization to, to talk, to connect them with, right? So you mm-hmm. kind of have to, you have to be more of a, a matchmaker, so to say. You have to be more mm-hmm. on that relationship side um, of thinking to really help the onboarding part virtually because everything else can be the same, but you want to have that place where at the end of it, they feel just like what you said, this is my place. Like I know this is my place. These are my people. Like you want them to, that feeling is the success of a good onboarding process. And so you kind of have to dig a little deeper to make that happen virtually. At the end of the day, every you have to feel like you found your people, for lack of a better word, right? Because that's yes. the generic statement. But it's like, I have found my home and I feel that whether I'm at home or I'm in the office. Right. And you're right. It's it's a, it's a something that's super important, but can absolutely be done with the right engagement. So Exactly. Tiffany, this was such a fun episode and I've asked you a ton of questions, but mm-hmm. I have more. Okay. There's not eight. <laughs> there's not nine of them, but there's actually 10. <laughs> It's the TTA 10, 10 final questions for our guest. All right, Tiffany, the TTA 10. This is the, the fun part. The, the TTA 10. This is like when I'm when I'm in the car in the morning and I hear people doing rapid fire questions and I'm like, I could do that. Now I'm going to realize why. It's Now's so hard. your time. Now's your time, <laughs> girlfriend. That's exactly what it is. So I've got 10 really fun questions that no pressure. Answer how you want, but it's a little bit more of a get to know you. So we're going to put 90 seconds on the clock and you're going to answer them as fast as you can. Are you ready? Yes. All right, David, countdown, please. All right, Jocelyn, 90 seconds starting now. All right, Tiffany, where is one place you have always wanted to travel to? Bali. How much wood would a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? (laughs) A lot. (laughs) What was the last song that you listened to on the radio? A song called Water. Fill in the blank. Taylor Swift is blank. Is very popular and a musician and yeah. And facts only. <laughs> if you could have any superpower, what would it be? I would have the superpower to clone myself. <laughs> what are you having for dinner tonight? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> if there was a highway made just for you, what would the speed limit be? 80. <laughs> if you weren't a training consultant, what would you be doing? Traveling and eating and sleeping yeah. <laughs> Who would you cast to play you in a movie about your life? I don't know. I'm Viola Davis. Why not? Love her. Jenny, Jenny, don't change your number. What is Jenny's phone number? I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> That's your answer. Okay, David. That's 10, whether we like it or not. So let's give the verdict, please. All right. With a time of one minute and 27 seconds, Tiffany is just under the threshold. Congratulations. As close as you get, Tiffany. Lemon. Lemon. No, I had to. 
Eight six. And what is Jenny's number? Eight six seven seven five three zero nine. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you're a winner, uh, Tiffany. So we will salute you because you're so excellent at explaining complex concepts in simple terms. We thought of the most simplest teacher there is out there, Doctor Seuss, and so we deliver the the following uh, Doctor Seuss style. Salute to you. Let's get some Dr. Seuss music. In a world of corporate hustle and bustle, there's Tiffany with intellectual muscle. She's fantastical, amazocious, and spiffany. An, ex- an expert in onboarding. That's our girl, Tiffany. A workplace culture designer, a title unique. She'll make a kooky, silly-docious company look sleek. With a heart full of passion and eyes shining bright, making offices smash horrific beacons of light. A facilitator of team learning, she guides the way, helping snoodle-fantastic teams grow day by day. Through wobble-flump challenges, she's always in stride, ensuring that gobble-fizzle teams never subside. Diversity, equity, and inclusion are her creed, teaching a wuzzle-wham cause others should heed. In plinkety-plonk fairness, she truly believes that a workplace glitter giddle isn't what it achieves but wait there's more to this splendor fuff tale tiffany conquered the muddle fuddle tta 10 without fail answering quirky quonk questions she showed might a fan doodle champion shining so bright so here's to tiffany the wondrous workplace ace and no matter how crumble crunch the place she champions change in pizzazzy plum style and her glorious saurus energy makes us smile Congratulations, Tiffany. <laughs> I don't think David actually just said anything to you just then. That... You got to speak Dr. Seuss. I but but the good news is is you you can now put Snoodle Fantastic on your resume as Noodle a strength. Fantastic. So no, don't. So my my daughter, I, I'm sure she's going to now really think I do no work because she <laughs> happens to come downstairs and she's looking at me and she starts recording me and she shakes her head and she walks away. <laughs> <laughs> Tell her this she's. Is, this is tell her do, she, right? she's Snoodle fantastic too. Yes, be like, no, I promise. This is the girl who gives like gives me jobs. I promise. Like we do real stuff together. <laughs> <laughs> Tiffany, that was so much fun. Yes. A great episode. Thank you for working with me because, like, like I said, normally we do it with Maria, and you gave me all of the confidence and like content to just feel good and flow and i appreciate you so very much you know i'll be calling you whether you like it or not so thank you (laughs) for your time and everything you do thank you so very much for more information on employee onboarding and bringing tiffany into your organization visit us at trainingassociates.com we'll see you later miss you maria